the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Earning season, investments, retirement products, retirement ideas, how to earn more, how to invest more, how to save more. Any topics really fair game on this show. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. How are you, Mr. Burton? Doing well. How about you? Doing well. Now, you've just recently started a morning show here on KDOW AM 1220. You are doing this show Tuesdays and Wednesdays from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. I'm covering it from Monday and Thursday, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. And then we're doing some sort of best of between. Tell me a little bit about who you are and what your show is about from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Well, yeah. First of all, boy, you and I have been doing radio stuff together almost a little over 20 years now, right? A long time. Oh, about 20 years. Long time. I just aged us both. Um, you know, I just approach the world of financial planning in terms of a fiduciary, first of all. There's a lot of people that sell stuff out there, and it harms a lot of people. And there's the, the government is even aware of it. That's why they have the Department of Labor rule that's being kicked in to, to stop, you know, annuity salesmen and other people like that from just, you know, harvesting these 401k rollovers and putting them into high-fee products. So just give good real-life advice um, and try to make it, timely. Like today I was talking about at the end of the show, uh, kids are going back to college. The first tuition is due typically at the end of August and how to pay for that, how to withdraw from 529 plans and what to be aware of in terms of the asset allocation in 529 plans. I was listening to your show and I was a little bit surprised. You basically said if your kid's 14, it's too late to allocate money to 529s. And you said things that a lot of people probably don't know, including myself, that if you put your kid in an apartment and it's an above market rent, you may not have that all covered with your 529 plan and you might get penalized for trying to uh, push it through the system, which I found kind of interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because it's, it's not like I've seen anybody be audited yet that's been making withdrawals from a 529 plan that has, has been nailed from it. but. There is some tricky pieces of the tuition books, room and board, and qualifying expenses. Yesterday, I was talking to somebody who's like, his, his kid's in a film school. And so he was asking, the, the school is required that these kids have certain cameras and things like that. And the question, was that a qualified expense? And in this case, it was, because it was part of the requirement of the class to have those supplies. But the tuition piece can be a little bit tricky, because each college has their own, here's the cost of living on campus versus off campus. And the 529 plan states that it's really the kind of the the qualified uh, room and board costs. So you got to be careful there. So any other big topics that you hit this morning? I know you're, uh, it's new focus on wealth and obviously paying for your kid's college can make you very poor per se. Uh, When do you not pay for your kid's college and say, you know, 
good luck to them. They could do community college and uh, get loans. Uh, philosophy degree would be one. <laughs> Just okay. think of, look, I mean, we got to look out and say this, this world is, is changing quickly. There's a lot of things coming together in terms of science, technology, healthcare, and everything else. So if you're not in some of those larger areas, which requires the more advanced degrees, then maybe it's more of a trade situation that you get trained in because there's going to be, you know, there's going to be robots. You maybe need to learn how to work on those robots and keep them running versus, okay, I'm not the person that's going to program or create them. See what I'm saying? It's just going to be, I think the education system is going to change a lot. And if you're spending twenty, thirty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year to send your kids to college to get a degree that at best makes them sixty grand a year. What's the what's the point? Um, if that's I'm, gonna, their I'm gonna say something controversial. I'm gonna say something invest- controversial. Um, I heard who's the guy from uh, Shark Tank? Mark Cuban. Uh-huh. He was actually he, he actually said something pretty smart and it, it didn't make me rethink the philosophy degree where you just don't do it because it's not gonna have a, a, a return on investment. But he said, basically, machine learning is happening so fast and artificial intelligence is going to happen so fast that you probably don't want your kids to get a degree in math and science because there will be no match for a computer as far as building apps and building scientific models and such. He said, what you want is a philosophy degree and an English degree so that your kid could actually stand out as someone who could write a report and have an emotional response or a psychological response to what's happening at the workplace. So maybe I bastardize that a little bit, Chad, and say maybe you want a degree in computer science a master's or a minor in philosophy. It's an interesting concept. And again, trust me, I'm not saying go send your kids to golf to be poetry majors. Uh, right, right. I thought that was, I do like Mark Cuban. What do you think about Mark Cuban? It's funny because until I started watching that show more and until uh, my son would come home from a DECA class, which is a marketing class that he's taken and where they, they talk about some of the things that he said, I always thought he was kind of a goofball because I just saw the, the short clips of him on TV. But when it comes to That's Shark right, yeah. Tank and some of the other things that he's done, I, I like him. I, I got to say, I like the guy. Uh, and I think he's right. I think that jobs with emotional connections to people are always going to be around. Um, so I think, yeah, the, the right answer is kind of in between where, what you and I are saying when it comes to education. So we've got about about two or three more minutes. Any topics you want to hit? Uh, yeah, just I was, it, tax planning and retirement is an annual thing. I was talking about that. There's a lot of bad advice between... You know, you and I both know people that have gotten on radio shows that sell insurance that give try to give tax advice have no clue of what they're talking about. So, you know, I, when it comes to retirement, you can't make that decision based on something you read on the internet or a, a, a tool that you get for free on the internet. You got to put together a team that includes a CPA and a certified financial planner, so you make decisions that are correct for 35 plus years versus correct for tomorrow. Okay. How about annuities? Uh, we've had a, a long history of annuities where at one point in time, I just didn't like them. They were just insurance products that were being pushed as investment products with high fees and high commissions. And it just it made the salesperson the money and it kind of gave you less than desirable benefits. How's the annuities world looking right now? Uh, the annuities world until rates normalized, which is say three and a half, four percent on the 10 year treasury. There are some good no-load variable annuities where you can take bond money that right now, if you're investing in normal bond funds, are yielding about 2.8%. So you take that bond money and you can invest in a variable annuity, which is half in stocks inside the accounts. Um, but your income guarantees when you turn 65 are typically 4% plus, which means that if you're, you start taking income at 65 
and the account goes to zero when you're 85, the insurance company still continues to pay you. So it allows you to take bond money, take more uh, risk in stocks. You pay a little bit higher fees, but your income is typically a bit better than it is for bonds right now. So they can be a good scenario for bond alternatives in retirement until rates normalize. So we're plugging Chad's new time. He was on in the afternoons. He's now moved the uh, radio moving truck to mornings. You're on Tuesdays and Wednesdays from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. It's new focus on wealth. I cover the Mondays and Thursdays. It's going to be stock-centric, maybe a stock talk type of show. And then we're going to do a best of on Friday from 6 to 7. So we got that, that whole 6 to 7 um, time frame. Um, is there anything else you want to hit, Chad? We've got about one minute or less. Uh, no. I mean, I think that when my car finally dies, Rob, I was talking about leasing new cars. There's, you know, oil prices... Even though they're going to be low, everybody's focused on these electric vehicles, and this Tesla is one of the biggest stories on Wall Street right now. 300-plus miles on, a, on the upgraded battery. Um, cars are going to depreciate faster than ever. Banks are being too aggressive on loans on existing new vehicles. Uh, so be careful with depreciating assets. You know, what's interesting about that. Uh, it's, uh, Europe is going to try to phase out all gasoline-powered cars, combustion engines, by 2030. It's going to be pretty interesting wow. to see what... Uh, our children are driving around in the future. But that's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. There's a lot of good downloadables. Find him at newfocusfinancial.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or kdow.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. What's on your financial mind? Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Um, I got some thoughts. I got some thoughts. And some of them are a little easier than others to digest. Um, and what do I mean by that? Um, I saw recently, and I don't know how you're going to feel about this. You know how we're talking about the living wage for people in America and how everyone should have the right to have a living wage, right? And I mostly agree. I, I, I think sometimes we live in a society of haves and have-nots, and that's why we get these very dramatic events like Occupy Wall Street. Um, but one of the things that I fear is that the living wage, and this is kind of across the political spectrum in my opinion, it seems to me that the job creators in America, the real job creators, the small businesses – uh, when you and your friend take a chance and start a company, you and your friend take a chance and start a pizzeria, you and your friends take a chance. And those are the ones that create the jobs locally. And they, they create lots and lots and lots of jobs. They are the blood of the U.S. economy. And when you start talking about living wages, that I hate to say it. I think we have to have some jobs that are reserved for teenagers. And they can't be jobs like McDonald's. In my opinion, now you can get mad at me for saying that, but... I remember it was almost a rite of passage growing up that, you know, when you're 16, 17, 15 and your parents are starting to give you a car and, you know, you'd be like, hey, uh, Mandy, um," or you and Tony would go to McDonald's and get a a shake or ice cream after a football game. And you'd see your friend Mandy who's in your social studies class and you're like, hey, Mandy, um, I didn't know you worked here. And you start flirting and like. They're kind of the rite of passage that younger people kind of man the registers kind of thing. And the guys did the fries and the burgers because they were gross and greasy. And I, I, I just I grew up like that. And the money wasn't great, but it wasn't meant to be great, you know, because your, your bills when you're 15, 16, 17 are pretty much so restrained. But 
I saw something recently, and you know, again, when we talk about livable wages, and I have a friend who owns four, five, five guys, and he's not wealthy, and it is a ton of work, and trying to find people that are trained and stay, that combination is pretty brutal. But when robots steal our jobs, that's what's going to happen when we start saying, you know, we need to pay people $15 an hour to work at McDonald's. In my opinion, now again, whatever minimum wage is, that's fine by me. But when you start calling it a livable wage for a job that's not meant to be a career, that starts to become problematic for the guy, the franchisee who owns it. So what does San Francisco do? Knowing that if you know, they jack the price to 15 to $20 for a minimum wage, you've already seen there's a kiosk in San Francisco that does all your food for you. You go in, you say what type of grain you want, you say what sort of fruit or vegetable you want on top of it, you say what sort of potential spices you want in it, and herbs, herbs, not herbs, herbs. And then I like the way you say that. It magically makes it for you. No person involved. Swipe credit card here. It's, you know, like the airlines, when you check in now, it's like, hey, do it over at the kiosk because we don't want a person doing it for you. That person, if we have to have four of them, uh, we'd rather have one or two. So what happens when that five guys goes robotic and has, you know, robots that uh, drop the fries and keep things grease-free and uh, less cleanup? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Well, here's what I fear is San Francisco. They're going to make the guy who makes the robot or the guy who uses the robot pay taxes. That's something that residents of San Francisco are being asked to think about right now. The city's District 6 Board of Supervisors, a woman named Jane Kim. She wants to find cash to help folks out with retraining or a universal basic income when robots take over their toils. And the suggestion for generating that money is a tax on robots. That's pretty out there for me. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. San Francisco certainly isn't stuffed full of robots right now, but it's easy enough to imagine a non-too-distant future. In the near future, where autonomous taxis uh, rule the roads and burgers are flipped by bots. In contexts where robots are taken over directly from human workers, the idea seems to make sense to tax them, or does it? Um, I don't know. And then what do we call a robot? Like, what Do we call a door that automatically opens a robot at some point in time because we need a doorman to do that for us? It's a hell of a question. So, you know, there's been similar suggestions, most notably from Bill Gates, have ultimately been dismissed in the past because Bill Gates was kind of kooky in the 1990s. In the 2000s, he started to transform himself. Now he is the hero of the world with his Gates Foundation, getting other billionaires to pledge and, you know, trying to do things like uh, get people immunized, get people fed, get people clean water, get people food. He's got a project right now that he's funded that's starting to go national in the United States in grocery stores where it's a plant-based hamburger. So it's it looks like a hamburger. It tastes like a hamburger. It even bleeds like a hamburger. But it's not a hamburger. My personal opinion is that we should tax meat eaters because the amount of damage that steaks um, and, and chicken breasts do to our society both on weight gain, on heart disease – but then on the amount of food and water that they consume to get that, you know, nice and fat and plump for you is outrageous. So what do you think about a 50% tax on your, your filet tonight? I think it'd be That's a good thing. It's not terrible, Charles. Just because you eat a lot of steaks, ter- Charles, doesn't That's mean it's terrible. terrible. Oh, you'll get over it, Charles. And you'll be healthier, too. Mmm, the nice bowl of quinoa. Mmm. 
It's like eating dirt. Oh, oh, it's a desert. Um, so Bill Gates has talked about it. And he was dismissed in part because tax and robots will disincentivize companies from adopting them, leading to a failure to capitalize on increases in productivity that can stimulate the economy. You know, what do you do? Do you do you tax Ford and Tesla for having, you know, a robot, a robotic arm, pick up a piece of metal and weld it? Do you do that too? Where do we stop here? Um, so we're still working on what defines a robot, and that's a bit of a problem. So Wired Magazine is a great magazine if you want to meet for me. Okay, wait, wait, for me. When I go to bed, I like reading two magazines. Wired Magazine, because it's all about the future. It's got some pretty cool things on it. But also I like reading Jugs Magazine, because 16th century Byzantine pottery. Behave yourself. It's nice. It's nice. So it's nice. Anytime we find a new, um, I'll show you, a veritable plethora of jugs in the ground, I'm all about it. All about it. So I'm fairly philosophical in the idea of what will the outcome of robots be. And in reality, it's not clear the best way to impose taxes on automation. Is it an argument? I don't even know yet. To me, it feels incredibly forced. There's other ways to tackle the problem that don't focus on machines, like reducing tax on human labor. Oh, we didn't think about that. How about you give a small business incentive to hire a real person by cutting the taxes, that payroll taxes? Could be a solution not to tax the robots. Let the robots have their parade. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Altria recently hiked their dividend 8.2%. They raised their quarterly dividend, but at a smaller clip than some expected. Still, analysts say that's a catalyst for the stock. Some people like big butts. Some people like blondes. Some people like brunettes. I cannot lie. I like dividends and I like buybacks. I don't necessarily like buybacks when they're using debt to buy back their stock, but I'm not against it either. An 8.2% dividend hike is good, but is it good enough? Cigarette maker Altria announced that their board voted to raise their quarterly dividend. So you buy 100 shares of Altria or $100 of Altria, and they give you 4.1% every year. It's like money in the bank, except for it's not in a bank. It's like money in stock. It's like money in a corporation that you own. Some analysts are a little disappointed. They want it 9%. Now, again, smoking is so 1990s, right? And when you look at Altria, the house that Marble Man built, Disney is the house that the mouse built. Altria Group owns the largest cigarette company in the United States through their subsidiaries, the world's number one seller of cigarettes um, by a long shot. Um, as far as brands go, they've got Parliament, Virginia Slims, basic brands, amongst others. Altria has diversified from solely a cigarette maker to a purveyor of cigars and pipe tobacco through a company called John Middleton. Ladies and gentlemen, if you use a pipe, please brush your teeth three to five times a day because you have nasty, nasty teeth and breath. Ah! Smokeless tobacco products through UST. And they got wine right now through St. Michelle Wine Estate. So Altria is now a wine company? Now, Altria is the U.S. version of Philip Morris. Philip Morris is the international version of Philip Morris. Because Philip Morris, we know, is a cancer company. Altria sounds great, doesn't it? 
Sounds altruistic. Sounds like a utopian word. Let's go down to the altrium today and, uh, how shall we say, vape. No, you're not supposed to vape. For the record, did you know South Park's going to play 258 episodes straight before the new uh, season premiere? I'm going to try to watch at least at least 15 minutes of that, that marathon. You will respect my authority! And what better way to honor Jerry Lewis after his passing and his telethon weekend than, by all means... A South Park Marathon. Phase one, collect underpants. Phase two, phase three, profit. I do love the underwear gnomes. And I wish they would come visit me more often. Because they collect my underpants, and they've got some sort of business model. And they're about to tell it to me. Phase one, collect underpants. Phase two, phase three, profit. (laughs) Ha ha ha, you got it, huh? Yes. Profits, big profits, and that's what uh, Philip Morris makes. So that's worthy of note. When you take a look at the company and look at their dividend increase, you know it could be a tough month for the company at any point in time. And when the shares fall, the dividend looks more attractive because you're getting a percentage. You're getting a, a set uh, dividend payout, and that percentage looks bigger as the stock goes lower. So if you, you buy $100 and, then it, and you're going to have 4.2% yield and it goes down to $90 a share, you're probably getting more like, like a 4.6% yield which is even better. Now, again, is it for everyone? No. Now, what would you give a pumpkin who's trying to quit smoking? This is a big question. Probably a pumpkin patch. What did the blonde write on the bottom of her swimming pool? No smoking. What does ducks smoke? What does a duck smoke? Hi, oh, Johnny, I do not know. What does a duck smoke? Quack cocaine. Okay, now those were good enough. Eh, maybe the last one was good enough for your six-year-old, eight-year-old son. But it's close. How about this one? Because it, 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 it merges two things that I hate, smoking and cats. How can you tell a cat is done cleaning herself? How can you tell a cat is done cleaning herself? Hi-oh, I do not know, great one. She's smoking a cigarette. So, so I just go out there and I tell you to buy. I didn't tell you to buy Altria. Buy Altria. Buy Altria. You must buy Altria. Smoking is good. You must smoke. I didn't say that. That's the voice inside my head. But the dividend yield is pretty darn attractive. 3.83% right now. The PE is pretty low. And people are going to continue to smoke. Now, at some point in time, that we will look at smoking a lot like we look at vampires, so that it doesn't really exist. But, you know, a thousand years ago, vampires really did exist and they roamed the earth. Um, but then vampire hunters like Vin Diesel caught them and killed them all. So at some point in time, at some point in time, this won't be a dividend player, an income player. But right now, eh, I get it. My dad died of cancer. It's the most horrible thing to watch. He had a heart attack, and then when he had a heart attack, the doctors, you know, ripped open his chest, and they go, oh, you got cancer in your lungs. And he went through chemotherapy. He went through radiation once, and he got most of it out. Uh-oh. It came back. And when it came back, they said, you're going to have six months to live, and he goes through chemo. He doesn't even go through chemo at that point in time. He does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Um, but it's a horrible thing to watch, and to watch, you know, a man who was once vital and powerful become weak, it's, it's disturbing, to say the least. So I throw that out there, not to be a killjoy, but to throw it out there. 
um, and to say, you know, by doing a cat joke smoking, it's kind of a way of desensitizing and making a little bit of fun of the whole process of life and death and scenarios along those lines. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. If you're in your 30s, if you're buying a house, figure out your budget first. In your 30s, you have to grow up. It's time to. You can no longer be on Tinder. You can no longer be on Tinder and go out on five dates on Valentine's Day. And how do you even do that? Valentine's Day weekend, like breakfast, lunch, dinner. Uh, breakfast, lunch, coffee, dinner. I did seven. I'm going to do eight next year with an after-dinner drink, right? If you're a woman on Tinder, you rule the world. If you're a man on Tinder, good luck. So few purchases are exciting as buying a home, but that's what you do in your 30s, most of us. So you got to think about kitchen appliance. You got to think about bedrooms. You got to think about affordability. You want to keep the standard measure of housing affordability in your head, 30% or less of your pre-tax income. It's not a hard and fast rule, but it is a rule. Um, a typical homeowner earns $70,800 a year. <laughs> Good luck doing that in the Bay Area. If you're in your 30s, consider going back to school um, to figure out how to, you know, a degree would uh, affect your finances. In your 20s, you got that career going, you got out of college, and you're like, ooh, I'm kind of maxing out at 80000 So how much will you earn after you graduate? How much will you earn uh, if you get a master's? How much income will you lose while you're in school? Those are all big issues. But typically, if you're married and or you know, dating someone, one of the two people can you know, go back to school, even if it's part-time. So if you are in your 30s and you're thinking about having a child, start thinking about the unknown. A child will cost you about $233,000 from age 0 to 17. Some expenses associated with a child can be reduced. Um, some of them can't be reduced. So diapers, baby food. I get it. You have to put diapers and baby food in the kid, right? But then some of your expenses like dining out and travel, you might be able to reduce that to offset some of the the, gain, uh, the costs of raising a kid. So a kid changes your financial plan. It changes your romance plan. It changes a lot. The average annual cost of full-time care for a kid under four is about $10,000 a year. So that's about the same as tuition in a lot of colleges, in a lot of states. So kids are not cheap. From zero to four, you're sending them to college if you have some sort of nanny help. So if you're thinking about getting divorced, um, look at your state laws. Like, for instance, if you're married 11 years in California, 10 years becomes alimony for life. So if you're at eight years, you may want to start thinking about it. Now, I'm kidding, sort of. But different states handle assets differently, so you may need to enlist experts to help you. Using experts are not a bad thing. Once you know where you're starting from, it's important to determine your ideal outcome. And remember, you once were in love, and divorce is a big life transition. Um, I know someone who lives with four roommates, and she says it's a nightmare because two of the guys are divorced, and one of them's like 62 years old trying to get on Tinder. It's not meant for you. It's not meant for you. There's something um, for old age that's meant for you. It's not Tinder. So. Yeah, no kidding. The Tinder for people over 60 should be sponsored. I mean, the only ads you would see on it are Viagra and Cialis, right? Is that fair to say? Is that fair to say? Is that fair to say? Hello? Is this on? It's 130% true. Thank you, Ron. He always backs my science-based negotiation tactics. That's right, Jack! Yeah, so the other guy, he lives with... It's three guys and two women, and they're all single roommates. And uh, so one's 61, and one's like 40. He's, he's the bitter guy in divorce. And uh, he keeps bringing home, how shall we say, big women. So he's not exactly quiet. 
So getting old and divorced is a life change. I mean, that's a perfect example right there. Um, so you got to start thinking of these things, moving out of your apartment and, you know, moving into a house, uh, moving from a girlfriend to a wife, moving from, you know, a wife to a mother and father. Those are all very big issues, and it's something you need to start figuring out in your 30s. So, um, and if you're not saving money in your 30s, you're falling way behind. If you haven't saved money for retirement in your 40s, you're going to work till the day you die. I'm Roberto Negro, Senior Roberto Negro, in honor of NAFTA. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, robblackshow.com. Uh, big events coming up, uh, radio uh, seminars, live in person. If there are, sign up at Rob Black Show and use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. So Regina Spector is someone I wildly adore. And uh, I just respect that someone can play a piano and sing and make a career out of it. That's where the start is, right? So she is a Russian-born American singer-songwriter. And no, I don't think any of the music's ever going to be the number one song. It's a great show to see, and I think it's for a lot of people the music of their life. But she's very Russian. Um, She self-released her first three albums, which I have a lot of respect for. She decided to stay on the East Coast in New York independent music scene where you can make a career doing that and Dave Matthews did it out of Charlottesville, Virginia where he went basically from Charlottesville to Washington D.C. stops in Philadelphia, sometimes in Pittsburgh on maybe on the way back you're going through Delaware, you're hitting New York City you stretch into Boston you start the whole trip backwards because that's going to take you a couple weeks to get up and a couple weeks to get back the music scene on the East Coast is a lot more vibrant and healthy for independent music because there's a lot of bigger cities that are just condensed. A lot of people live east of the Mississippi. It's a much denser world of big cities. So that's knowing your market and, and staying within it. Had she come to San Francisco, she would have been a sensation in San Francisco. Had she gone to L.A., she might have found the producer who wants to produce the great hit song for her and take her global. But she kind of crafted her, her, her business uh, coming from the Soviet Union when her family left in the 1980s and being a Russian Jewish family moving into New York City. It's, it's a business model. I mean, isn't your life a business model on some levels? You know, are you deciding to work for as little money because it's easy work or are you deciding to work a little bit harder? Um, I break my butt on a regular basis. I break my butt. Um, trying to come up with new ideas and trying to push innovation to you. So someone like a Regina Spector, you know, I'll say, hey, Siri, play Regina Spector. And Siri will come on because I forgot that Siri's plugged into my phone and charging right now. <laughs> and or um, if you got Amazon's Alexa, it's just music you can cook to. It's not music that's going to change your life. It's just music that you're going to cook to. Oh, good God. Now my phone wants to play Regina Spector. <laughs> They're me and me my big mouth. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about money, investing, and more. Um, a friend of mine owns a lot of Apple, and I own a lot of shares of Apple. And 
her financial planner was pushing her aggressively to diversify and you know, set up a, a covered call strategy. And I said, did he talk to you a little bit about potential Trump tax reform? And she goes, no. And I said, well, I would hold off until you have at least more education on that. You're not just looking for a transaction, look for a transaction. You're looking for flags to push transaction. So Bank of America Merrill Lynch reiterated its buy on Apple shares, saying earnings will surge under the new GOP plan to lower corporate taxes. Importantly, given the access to the repatriate cash, investors will likely assign a higher multiple to shares of Apple. Apple has $223 billion in unrestricted cash held overseas, which could be brought back to the U.S. under a new lower repatriation tax rate if the plan is approved. A lot of people think the Republicans are going to make a stand. Now, again, Democrats, and the first time they tried to get Obamacare through, they, they didn't stand together. But the second time they did, the Republicans haven't stood together yet on repealing Obamacare. Second time they didn't do it. Third time they didn't do it. So they're moving on to tax reform. Will the Republicans pull together? And if they do, then Apple shares can go higher, considerably higher. So analysts, and I'm using analysts instead of me, excuse me, um, from Make America. So they're, they're looking at two aspects of potential tax law reform. Uh, and they've concluded that existing deferred tax liability on the balance sheet could allow for substantially all of Apple's foreign cash to be repatriated. And the quote is, importantly, given the access to the repatriated cash, investors will likely sign a higher multiple shares of Apple. So the analyst says, I have $180 target on Apple. That's about 16% upside of Friday's close. And this could happen pretty fast. If Congress lowers the corporate tax rate to 20% from 35%, and the interest expense becomes a non-tax deduction, Apple earnings per share will benefit by $0.77 cents in fiscal 2018 and by $0.89 cents in 2019. That's just the earnings expectations. That's not product innovation. It's not a thing like that. That's no secrets up their sleeve. So... It's interesting because part of this tax reform and potentially repatriated cash, one of the things that Republicans have been floating is the idea of, well, let's punish California, New York. Let's punish some coastal cities that happen to be Democratic in voting, and let's get rid of the state tax deductions. They no longer apply to the federal tax deduction. So you can't write off your state taxes on your federal taxes, even though there's some federalism issues that go back. I know you're saying you're quoting federalism issues. You don't quote federalism issues when it's right to own guns. Now you're owning it on taxes. It's the whole double tax thing. We are so double taxed in this society, regardless if we want to believe it or not. And we so should have a new Boston Tea Party. But it should be at my house. And uh, you should invite Clive the Frog to the Tea Party. Hey, Clive the Frog, he went to have a tea party. Um, So long story short, uh, if Congress lowers the corporate tax rate, Apple goes higher. So increase the rate of buybacks and dividend increases. Invest more in M&A in the United States instead of into foreign country companies. Pay down debt if interest expense is no longer a tax deductible in the United States. It may be in Apple's interest to pay down any of their U.S. debt that they've issued in the last few years. Little Regina Spector. This is a great love song. If you could play this for a woman and she doesn't melt. Mm. <laughs> Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.